story county The Mustang still runs free Eagle soars above the pinion pines And we know these horses stand for something That is precious and more rare Than all the silver and the gold from them old mines So let them run Horse Sense 101. I'm your host, Joe Jones, Vale, Oregon's resident redneck and owner of Joe Jones Performance Horses. Horse Sense 101 is a podcast dedicated to helping you have a meaningful relationship with your horse and for them to be a willing partner in all your adventures. The podcast is available every Monday morning at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Don't forget to join us in our Facebook group, Horse Sense 101. You can also find the podcast link, calendar, and news about our upcoming events on our webpage, www.horse-sense101.com, and sign up for our newsletter there as well. And if you have a moment and and are so inclined, please leave a review at Podchaser. It's free, and I would really appreciate it. This week, I had the honor to sit down and visit with Extreme Wileen Wilson. Wileen grew up in Arizona riding any and every horse that came through her mother's boarding facility. She took every opportunity she could to work with and train problem horses and made a name for herself in the community as a true horsewoman. She has been a professional horse trainer for over 20 years and is no stranger to competitions. She's competed in rodeo circuits, extreme cowboy races, and has developed a strong presence in the Mustang Heritage programs. To date, she has competed in over 14 extreme Mustang makeovers, where she captured three makeover championship titles and many top finalist positions. She has also had the opportunity to judge the competition. Her fearless, daredevil style and effervescence personality garnered her the name Extreme Wileen. She has been featured in films such as Wild Horse, Wild Ride, and Nat Geo Wild's Mustang Millionaire three-part series where she was able to showcase her training style. While she still competes, she spends most of her time traveling and teaching confidence building and horsemanship clinics for both horses and riders using her own unique approach. She focuses around motivating each to excel and be their very best, safety and confidently. Wileen is passionate about helping others develop a different frame of mind by building their confidence and offering them lifemanship skills. She loves teaching people how to become their own trainer by helping young girls and boys rise in the horse industry. She is fearless and fun, and you will walk away with a smile on your face that you can't erase. Her leadership ability helps not only to guide horses that are deemed untrainable and unrideable, but also riders that are unconfident and fearful, in turn, helping both go to the next level. Her objective is to create a ripple effect that will touch the lives of many with her retreats that will be launched in 2023. I'm here today visiting with Extreme Wileen, the I would call you the first lady of cult starting. I, I believe you have easily earned that title. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Wileen. I'm so excited for this, Joe. I know we talked briefly beforehand, but I know anybody who might be listening, um, I'm always excited and 
I get really tickled to have these opportunities and I'm very humbled by it that I was even approached to do it. So thank you for the opportunity and I'm really looking forward to it. All right, folks, dally up. This is going to be a heck of a ride. Um, uh, Wileen, tell us about your, your, your childhood, your, your family, um, your children, things like that. So we can kind of get to know who you are on a personal level. Okay. So I, I grew up in Mesa, Arizona and my grandmother in 1927 opened up the very first flower shop in the state of Arizona. The building itself is still there. The business is still there to this day. So it's, it's been in our family for a very long time. So I grew up on this little family farm in the middle of downtown Mesa, Arizona, right off of Main Street. You would have never known this little oasis was there tucked away behind some bushes. But there was this facility that was kind of in mainstream Arizona. And in 1985, they decided they were going to sell the property. And there was my grandmother, my uncle, his six children, my family, our six children, uh, my aunt, her two children. So it was like a family community. And, uh, and we all worked together. We all worked in the flower shop. We all had obligations and duties that we had. But in 1985, they decided they were going to go ahead and sell the property. Well, the, the property fell out of escrow. And so they had had these greenhouses that were kind of tucked away in the back portion of the property. And my uncle kind of panicked. This is my mother's brother. He's panicked. He's like, what are we going to do? You know? And my mom says, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to go gut, we're going to go gut these and turn them into barns. And my uncle David was like, what? We can't turn greenhouses into barns. And she's like, yes, we can. And so my mom, along with my, my dad, my uncle and a color, like cousins and other friends, they started to put together this facility, this horse facility. And my mom put an ad in the paper. This just makes me laugh saying this, but my mom put an ad in the paper and this is what it read. It's a do-it-yourself place. We're not fancy, we're fun. So it was $65 for a stall or $85 for a pasture. And within a, like, uh, like a year, within a year's time, over a hundred boarders would then occupy that space. Holy cow. And That's it awesome. is what kept the flower shop afloat and also gave us this beautiful, amazing, like uh, community of people and horse lovers. But we also had access to so many different breeds, age, shape, sizes, disciplines. And at that time, I was five years old. So six years old rolled around. My mom was doing lessons and was taking horses in problem horses. And so we had access to all of this amazing abundance of horses. And so I was very fortunate to grow up in a place that was so welcomed by the community. And it, there was, it was a revolving door of individuals coming in and out. And so we had a little bit of everything. And so when I tell you, I have a lot of experience dealing with horses and horse handling, I can thank my mom for that. My mom is the one that was the pioneer behind the equine side of things. And it always had a love and a passion for horses. But she also had a love and passion for Monty Foreman, um, who kind of helped her back when she was going through her college years, and he absolutely changed her life. And so that's kind of where it started. And so my there are six children in my family. Uh, my brothers are all older. A lot of people don't know I have brothers, but I do. And they're not really involved with horses. And then my it goes me and then my sister, Winda, and then Juanette. Well, Juanette and Winda and I, we rode all the time. And so we played and had fun. We had our little ponies. And I remember being young and just doing wild things on horses. I mean, things that 
I think of a six and seven year old doing, and I'm like, how did our mother ever let us? But, but, you know, she taught us how to ride and handle horses at speed. And I have yet to hear anyone talk about handling horses at speed besides my mom or Monty. So I was really grateful to have that opportunity to grow up that way. And so it just laid out this path of horses and having an amazing hobby that then eventually turned into a career. And I was being prepared and groomed for that. And I, I was so unaware of that, Joe. <laughs> I look back now and I think, man, my mom knew all along that that's what she wanted us girls to do. And she wanted to influence us in a way to know how to manage and handle any situation, how to travel and handle that experience side of things, um, how to be independent and strong and to be thinking on your feet and have, have answers to problems. And so that's where it kind of started. And, and then I got married when I was young. I think I, when I was married, the first time I was married, when I was 20, I had two children and those are um, Riker and Kinsley. My daughter is now 19. She's in college. And then I have, he's soon to be 17 next week. And then I also have a six-year-old. And so I have these incredible kids and I'm very grateful and lucky for all the things that we've been through together as a family and all the things that have led us to where we are. And I've always been so grateful for that chance to share my gifts and to be around horses and humans. And, and this whole time I realized that now I'm learning so much more about myself and life as I kind of step back and observe all the things that have led me to where I am today. So I feel really lucky and grateful. And I've always just wanted to share my sunlight and to be a positive influence in the horse community. So hopefully I'm doing that. Oh, you, you, abs you absolutely are. There is no, no one would argue that. No one would argue that. Um, so if you were to think back, what, what do you think was your most, if you were just put your finger on one thing, what was the most uh, memorable lesson that you learned from that, from that life on the barn? So I will say the, the one thing that I really learned from being in that scenario and something that I miss more than anything was freedom to ride and guide horses and ride at speed and to not have fear. So just think about that for a second to ride and guide a horse and to not have fear. And where I learned that very valuable, irreplaceable lesson was when I was six years old. And I tell this story at pretty much any clinic I go to because I like to put things into context that my mom had come to me when I was around the age of six and she said, would you like to run at this family rodeo this weekend? And I was like, no, mom, I'm scared. And this horse is too fast. And she said, okay, I understand you're fearful. She said, if I could show you how to handle him at speed, I think you could do really well. So this was on a Wednesday. So she brings Cobra. This was the pony's name. And he was a little POA pony that my mom had had access to. And when she ended up buying him and then she's like, we got to get him going. And when I tell you this little pony could fly, he could fly. He was one of the fastest horses I've ever come into contact then. And even still to this day, he was just a very rare horse. And so that afternoon she pulled me out, stuck my little saddle on him. And we had a chain link fence in our backyard. And she said, okay, every time this horse decides to go farther or faster than you're comfortable with, I'm going to have you go up his mane and cue him to slow down and stop. And then I want you to say, whoa, and pull his nose into the fence. 
So essentially she was teaching a pre-cue to the horse and to me that if and when I felt uncomfortable with the speed, that I could cue the horse that there was going to be a change coming and then transition them down and then guide them the direction I wanted to go. So this was on a Wednesday. I was six years old. Friday rolls around and here I am six years old out there on the fence in my backyard running wide open up the main, down the rain, pulling the horse's nose and, and really managing and handling my reins and my own body control. I learned to stand up when I was riding. Um, very non-traditional from what you hear in the Western world. And so I was really grateful for that. And so true story, my mom said, that was the day that I realized there was no horse that could run as fast as Wileen could ride. <laughs> and I turned oh, I around love that. and I went to that rodeo that weekend and I won the barrel race on this runaway pony. And I was six years old, people. I don't even know how this was possible. And I think of this now with my own children and I go, my mom was so ahead of the game and never allowed us to make excuses or she never allowed us to say no to opportunity. And she would say things like, this horse needs you to step up and be the leader. I did not ask you if you wanted to, you have to. And so that is how I lived my life. And thank goodness for my mom for paving that road for me, because at the time I was taking everything for granted. I was just a kid that was just half wild and like a March hare running around and bareback and without a saddle and heck, most of the time without a bridle. So, and as I got older, I learned to mature and to appreciate the beauty and the blessing of being able to do that within my own life. No, I'm guessing you probably rode with other people as you got older. Um, tell us about some of the other influences besides your your mom and, and Monty Roberts. Yeah, so, and it wasn't Monty Roberts. Let me be clear. It was Monty Foreman. So Monty Foreman, I'm sorry. I misspoke. No, that's okay. I always make sure I clarify that because Monty Roberts gained huge, you know, following. Uh, but Monty Foreman passed away in the early 80s. So a lot of people are not familiar with him, but he was kind of a pioneer and he was a man ahead of his time. And so, you know, that was what I grew up listening and understanding was all his his philosophy and things he did within the horse horse industry. Uh, I spent quite a bit of time with Al Dunning, and he is a not only like a father figure to me, but a big time mentor and someone who's taught me a tremendous amount. And I could only wish to one day maybe shadow half of the brilliance that he's created over the years and the decades. And he was pretty incredible. Uh, I also spent time when I hit about 27 years old, I kind of stepped away from everything I'd ever known and said, you know what? I need to become a student again. I took jumping lessons. I took reining lessons. I took pleasure classes. I uh, worked a horse through a halter class. You know, I wanted to just dive into something that I was unfamiliar with and and that kind of tied me into doing, once I started doing that and the ball got rolling, and then I stepped into the extreme cowboy racing world, that's where I dubbed the name Extreme Wileen. And so Craig Cameron gave me that name uh, when I started doing the cowboy races. And then the cowboy races kind of allowed me to kind of show my ability to do the things that I could do with the horses. And quite honestly, I think I was pretty reckless and just in a lot of ways out of control and but I was fast and wild and crazy and I could do that. And as I got older, I started to realize how to delegate where those powers needed to go and 
and how to be more mature and think things through a little bit more as I got older. And then that opened up the opportunity to then do the Extreme Mustang Makeover, which was something that absolutely changed my life. And I tell everybody about it. I say, you know, you just don't realize the impact that horses make in your life and everything is happening for you. And those experiences that you go through are lessons that you're walking away with. And so I've just been so grateful for that foundation. And then I stepped into, I was always a barrel racer and I roped a little bit. Uh, I really love speed events. And my, you know, our mom really, really pushed us to do that. We were gone every weekend traveling and she was hitting two and three jackpots a weekend or gym cannas or rodeos. And I was really grateful for those opportunities because it really prepared me for a lifetime of horses. And, and then in turn, teaching and helping others to find their own. Right. And so just my life has just really, really come together in such a beautiful way. I'm, I'm really grateful for that. That, that's so that's so awesome um thank you so no it, it truly is I, I it is just so refreshing to talk to I mean I think that's one of the wonderful things about horse people is that because God made horses to keep us humble they're they're really really good at it um at that when when we when we get the chance to speak with someone at at your skill level we begin to understand that that there's so much more to this than we ever thought there would be. And, and I know, I know you've got, you know, huge principles that guide your actions every day. And if you would, would you, would you just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, your, your basic principles um, about uh, horse training, the methods that you use with horse training? Yeah, absolutely. So something, you know, that I'm really passionate about is, and this is something I discovered on my own. And I know that there is a lot of criticism and scrutiny and people that are really have a tarnished point of view on this about working with horses and doing laydowns. But this is something that I really dove into in my early 20s because I was having horses that were coming in that were massive problem horses. And I started to notice a pattern in the way their behavior changed after I would do laydowns with them. And so I didn't really know how to articulate it, but I was so drawn to it, almost like a college course. Like it was my four-year study and I was, but I was the one teaching the class, even though I didn't, I had the tools and I was experiencing things. And I started to notice the same reoccurring things with each laydown. And when I have people ask me, well, why do you do laydowns? I, I always say, because it teaches patience, respect, and trust. But more than that, it is a lie detector to you and to the horse of who they truly are. And if, if and when something goes wrong, your horse becomes trapped, caught, stuck, um, hung up. Horses panic. And when they panic, they thrash, they run, they freeze. I mean, there's a variety of opportunity for them to get weird and to get wild. And so I was always raised and always knew that all horses can and will kill you. It's not a question. Um, they have a brain and a body of their own and you have to know how to manage and handle that. So it's knowing where to be at the right place at the right time. So when I step into a round pin with a horse and, and why I had so much success, I believe within the Mustang world is because day one, 
the second I could get my hands on their body, I was working on getting them on the ground and spending that delicate, beautiful time with them on the ground where they could learn that I wasn't there to hurt them. In the beginning, they think that you are, and they're going to, you know, run for their lives and try to save themselves because that is their innate instinct as an animal to run from predators. But that predator has to then turn into the partner. And so over time and the last 20 years, I've really developed it into a fine art and a whole entire experience, not only for myself, spiritually and emotionally and connected to the horse, but it's also physical for the horse as well. So everything manifests physically of what's going on mentally in the horse's mind and laydowns are so powerful and they are life changers. They have changed a lot of horses in my, in my path and things that I've done. So I'm really grateful for that. But the second thing is for sure the basic handle, which is what Monty Foreman taught back in the 60s and 70s. And then my mom then passed it on to us girls. And then we have then shared it with others because it is the fastest, simplest, easiest, most humane method from beginning to end, taking horse from wild to mild. And essentially all that is, is putting a stop on them. And how we do that is by doing the opposite of what tradition teaches, which is to not pull on them, but to cue them that there is a change coming. And by doing so, then the horse just goes, okay, is it right? Is it left? Is it forward? Is it backward? That's really all the horse wants to know. But we as the humans and the riders interfere and send mixed signals and make it complicated. And so I've loved having the basic handle because it's never not worked for me. And I don't have really any stories to tell you where it hasn't worked. I mean, I've had some bad runaway horses and with repetition and consistency, they learn it just like anything. And you can always teach a horse, but you have to be consistent and you have to have that repetition. They need that. So the basic handle for sure is something that I always go to. And it's something I want to teach riders. And the reason I want to teach it is because it's teaching you how to be the trainer then you don't have to rely on the clinician or the coach. You now take the ball into your court and now you're playing with the ball and you're figuring out how to communicate with that horse. And so it teaches body control, balance, rhythm, timing. It works on your rein management. And it really does put action into the horse's body because let's face it, you can't really teach a horse if you're not moving. So I'm all about movement. And the first thing I want to do is get on and get going. So I didn't come from the old school, um, but we weren't really cowboy per se, but my mom uh, never allowed us to make excuses. It was literally like, you're going to get on and we're going to fix this horse in 15 minutes. Let's go. And so I have adapted all of that into my own personal training and people are so blown away that I can just step into a pin and know what to do. And I always kind of smile and go, well, I was raised by a mom who didn't let me make excuses and I know it's possible and I believe it's possible. And I want to give this horse the best opportunity I can to go do this. And so that's why I love the basic handle. It's changed my life. It's helped me to rapidly get through horses. The Mustangs have really adapted to it. Uh, if I have big time problems with horses, that's my go-to because it teaches you the emergency stop and how to fall off of a horse because nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about what to do when something goes wrong. And that's where I pop up and go, Hey, I'm here to be your mentor and your coach. And I'm going to show you that horses panic. They do run away. They, they lock up there. There are times that horses step out of control and how the rider or handler handles that 
is literally the difference between massive injury or even death. So you have to be prepared. I know that sounds a little severe, but it is true because it's absolutely true. You have to be prepared. So, yeah, so I just, I really love the basics. I love teaching um, that. How do you, so how, how do you, how do you approach teaching that to your students? What, what, what is your thought process? Um, Cause you know, it, every bit of your being, we watch you, we know you're completely fearless. Um, and that's not to say you have no respect for a horse, but, but you have an inner peace and an inner confidence that, you know, horses can certainly feel. Um, and, and I, I know that, that a horse can feel our heartbeat four feet away. Um, having said that, they're going to know if we're scared. So Absolutely. how do you teach your, your students how to, to control their fears, conquer their fears, and help their horses do the same? What, what do you, how do you go about teaching that? That's such, a great, that's such a great question because you know what? I deal with that every lesson, clinic, any scenario I step into, people are fearful. And horses are a mirror of you. Yes, let me say that one more time, everybody who's listening. Horses mirror you. The horse is only as good as the rider or handler. It's that simple. So when someone comes to me and says, my horse did X, Y, Z, it's all their fault. I look at them and say, the truth is you don't know what you're doing. You don't have body control. You don't have rain management. Your equipment is working against you. You don't have the timing. Um, Let's face it. Horsemanship is physical. So yes, there are riding skills out there where you sit on your horse and you go down the trail. That's great. But at some point you physically are going to have to become part of that animal and to be in rhythm with that. So it's about being ambidextrous. It's about being coordinated. It's about balancing and using core muscles and strength. And I find that when I go into a clinic setting, I have to teach people how to utilize their body. Because if you can't control your own body, how in the world are you going to control a moving, breathing, thinking animal? So I like to teach them how to gather their reins up, what to do with their hands, how to catch the rein, slide their hand and guide the horse's nose to be clear and to break it down for the horse. But then the second thing is how to fall off. Why? Why do we need to learn to fall off? We do because we're going to fall off. And you need to know how to properly do that safely. And even if you're running wide open, you need to have the ability to communicate to your animal. I need you to stop. Now there's an emergency. No one talks about that. No one teaches that. So I step into a clinic setting and I say, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to learn how to fall off. And that's by teaching someone to lean over to the left or right of their saddle horn and reach up and grab this horse around the neck and get their legs to the ground and keep their head up. So, and it's rain management. So those two things, you've got to know how to fall and you got to know how to guide and handle your horse. So when someone comes to me and says, I'm really fearful, I, I look number one at their equipment and then how they manage and handle their body and reins. So that's kind of where I start. And then I like to dive into people and and ride alongside of them, or I'll climb on their horse and I'll teach their horse the basic handle. And it really does not take that long to teach. And that's why I use it as a demonstration because I love the challenge of saying, wow, if what I'm doing, is it really communicating 
through the horse? Do they understand that I'm talking to them, even though I'm not physically speaking to them? And a big insecurity that a lot of riders carry with them is the ability to never stop talking. They talk themselves in and out of things all the time and they make excuses because of their fear and their insecurities. So I call them out on it and then I support them and I say, I know you're uh, maybe insecure or worried about this, but let me show you that it's possible. Let me climb on, do the work, and then I'll get you back in the captain's seat and then we're gonna go ahead and fly your plane. Are you ready? So that's where it starts because let's face it, you are the captain. You are sitting in the cockpit. You are flying the plane. If you sit back and coach and drink a Mai Tai, you're going to crash into a mountain. So be prepared. Set yourself up for success. And it comes with experience. So if you want a nice horse or you want to have all these wonderful experiences, you have got to get your butt in the seat. You have got to grab a hold of those lead ropes, those reins. Go out with your friends. Go take lessons, ride with everybody, surround yourself with people who are better than you that push you, promote it, lift you up, encourage you. I know people don't have the best experiences sometimes when they come into a clinic setting. I try to raise, raise the energy of that because I know what it's like to be a student and I want to feel as though I'm taking the proper steps in the right direction. So I'm fun to ride with because I'm just as, um, as much of a student as anybody. So every time I step onto a horse or I grab a hold of a horse's lead rope, I say, what do I get to learn today? The horse is the best teacher of them all. And you, do you find, do you find once your students get the, I mean, I, I grew up in a world where there, did you feel that there? Did you feel that? Yes. Um, but here's another thing. Let me just, once can you, I mention this really quick? Finally, yes. Sorry. I just thought of this. So something that's really important, and I know that there's going to be listeners out there that are hearing this right now, that this is going to be a, a really vital statement. Um, everywhere I go, people don't have rhythm, whether they're trotting and posting or they're cantering. They struggle with the rhythm of it. My best advice, if you want to ride like I do, number one thing is you have got to ride your feet instead of your seat. you got to stand up like a jockey because you've got to balance. So it puts you in offensive, not defensive position. Then you're ready for the action. If and when a horse steps out of, out of line or gets spooked or startled, you're on your toes instead of your seat. And so when you're learning, you need to stand up. That's how I gained so much experience and confidence was standing believe it or not, which is the opposite of what tradition teaches. So I do kind of come from the right field section of things, but I like to show people why that applies in life and within riding horses, that there are many ways to do things. And in my opinion, there are no right ways or perfect answer. You have to learn to mold and adapt to the situation you've been handed. And so Standing up, falling off, those are your two big things that you've really got to master to where you're not afraid of the movement beneath you because there's a lot of power underneath you. And here's the other thing. The power is not in the horse's head. It's in their feet. So you must manage and control the feet. So I, I talk about, these are all principles I talk about when I ride and coach. No, they're, they're true. And if you think about, if you think about the, every horse that's ever won the Kentucky Derby, the jockey that crossed the finish line first wasn't sitting on his horse's back. 
No. They were standing in their irons. A horse can't really, they can't run. And you watch the team ropers when they leave the box. They're not sitting on their butt. If they are, they're going to get blown out the back. Um, You know, when you're riding a cutting horse, when your horse, you know, you may get to the bottom of your stop at the stop. But when your horse gets up out of the ground, you best get your butt up off his back and, and help him go. Um, so that you, you do have to, absolutely. That's a true statement. You, you've got to get off their back. If you want a horse to travel. I know my, my dad would, uh, he'd whoop us kids. If we were long trotting to go after some cows and, you know, if you were sitting on your butt, sitting on the horse and not posting at that trot, you, you'd probably get off your, get pulled off your horse and you'd have to run away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know what you're saying is true. Yeah. And that's why in the English world, they don't really ride with stirrups in the beginning. Yeah. That, it's not an opinion. It's a fact. Right. right. Well, um, and that's, I was just saying that in, in the English world, that's how they teach the riders. They teach them to drop their stirrups and learn to balance with their own personal body. See, a lot of traditional Western riders rely on their equipment. And I personally want to be able to do it without anything. No saddle, no bridle. Now we're really balancing and aligning with the horse's rhythm. And so we've got to learn to dance with that partner. And so that's always my goal is to be moving in synchronicity with that animal and make it look like it's their idea and that it's a dance and it's beautiful. And there's just this flow. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of really great things that have, you know, over the years I've just seen repetitively and I love to give people the insight to actually trying something a different way. That's twice as fast and makes way more sense. Like you just said. So your, your students, when they, when they finally get the feel of, of, of what it likes to, to, what it's like to get off your horse, um, that's really empowering. I take it when, I'm assuming that you have your students do that so that they, oh, they know absolutely. that. Absolutely. You have to, in my opinion, it is, it's so vital to teach that confidence of knowing what it feels like to come off. And here's the thing. Horses need to also be exposed to seeing you out of the right and left side of their body so that they see you out of the corner of their eyes so that you're preparing them. If a, if a rider gets out of position, you don't need a horse panicking underneath you. So you practice honestly the wreck before it happens. And that's what I do in a lot of my clinics is, is preparing people and teaching them how to manage and handle when bad things surface, the deciding issue is how you handle it when it shows up. And that's why people get hurt. And that's why horses get hurt because people panic, they pull back, they fall off going wide open. And most of your incidences happen when you're moving faster than a trot. It's normally, oh, my horse took off at a canter. So it's not normally when you're just walking along. So I try to, I try to just I try to educate people and take them beyond their horsemanship where they are and take them and elevate them and bring them up and say, you can be doing so much more, but you've got to step out of the box of fear. You've got to get away from that. You've got to educate your body, get the right tools and the right technique, and you'll be on your way. So it's always my goal to leave you better than I found you and help the horse be happy and help the rider be happy. Now, I, I'm, I'm probably going to get, get in trouble here, but um, I have a personal opinion that, and, and I have to work on this myself, but our fitness plays, we, we expect our horses to work like uh, world-class athletes. 
and then we don't eat enough salad and we don't do our push-ups, sit-ups and squats. So I, I, I would bet that you would weigh in and say that because, you know, you're obviously extremely athletic and take very good care of yourself. If you want to have a good relationship with your horse, that's, that's important too, right? Thank you so much for making this an open topic because I'm noticing everywhere I go that there's a lot of finger pointing going on around and swirling around horse issues. And when, when individuals come to my clinic, I laugh and I say, okay, you want to point the finger? Let's be honest here. How good of a dancer are you? Can you play the guitar? Do you know how to play the piano? Are you ambidextrous? Can you think on your feet? Do you know how to make a split decision? Which way's right? Which way's left? You would be surprised how many people do not know how to um, think under pressure. And then they want to point the finger at the horse. And my response to that is always, this is not about your horse. This is about you, your education, your timing, your body control, your rein management. Simply the horse is only as good as the rider or handler, period. And that's why I can take a random horse I've never met and jump in the arena on them and make them look like a million dollar rainer or lead changer, or I can fall off or I can do all these things. And their eyes just bug out of their head, their jaw drops. And they go, how did you do that? Well, it's because I know how. And, and again, physically, uh, it takes a little bit of effort and you're going to have to actually be physically involved. This is core strength. It's flexibility. It's being out of control while you're in control. So thank you for bringing that up. And it's something that I've really gotten clear on when I've worked with riders and handlers um, because it doesn't get mentioned enough. And I think, you know, you're moving on, a, on an animal and you have got to know how to balance and to find rhythm because let's face it, it doesn't look pretty when you don't know what you're doing. It's not fun to watch. It's, it's almost hard to watch. And I want to elevate riders to, to look beautiful while they move, where you just go, how did they do that? And we're looking for the rider who's doing the least with the horse that's doing the most. So yes, so this is a call to all of you. Get in shape. This is a physical activity. And here's the other thing. If you're not loving it, if you walk outside and you look at your horse and your body shudders and you say to yourself, I wonder what he's going to do today. You might want to rethink your relationship with your horse and maybe you don't have the right match. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes it's a bad marriage and sometimes it's time to break up and go find somebody else because sometimes horses and riders don't align and that's okay. Uh, horses come to teach us. And there are so many different horses out there and situations. And I say, if you're not absolutely 100% loving this, this is a very expensive hobby. You have to have skin in the game. You have to be committed to the responsibility and obligation that it is to own a horse. And see, that's the misconception there. People love the idea and the romanticism of owning a horse, even a wild Mustang. But there's massive responsibility to that. So we can't always just shift the blame and the pointing of fingers to the horse. Let's start pointing the finger at ourselves and saying, how did I walk out of my house today? Am I having a good day? Am I having a tough day? Am I arguing with my family or my spouse? Or am I just having a tough day in general? Maybe today's not the day to go ride. Or maybe it is the day to go ride and have that outlet. So horses are 
They're here to be of service to us and they're always doing the right thing. And so we need to become accountable and responsible for our own body and control of our reins and equipment and what we're doing within our core strengths. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, my, my, you know, I, I just, whenever I see someone who rides with the grace and, and the skill that you do, you know, people look at that and say, well, I would never. And, and I, I say, no, no, you would. You just have to want it bad enough. Any, any Reynolds told me when I was really, really young that you have to want this more than anything else in the world. And if you do, and you work hard, you can have it, but you are going to have to work for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, and I'm so happy that you brought that up because it's it simple, is true. but it is not easy. Yeah, exactly. It, it's like anything. I think if like, if I was a race car driver, I would have to know how to crash. If I'm a volleyball player, I got to slide and get the ball at the, on the bottom of the court. So you have to know how to control your body so you don't get hurt, but you are going to put yourself into these positions where things can get sideways very quickly. So it's just mental preparation, but also physical and handling pressure, this goes, this ties right into the laydown and it ties into regular horsemanship. You have to know how to handle those situations. So within my clinics and when I coach and teach people, I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone. I am purposely going to say, this is going to be hard. You might be screaming on the inside, but I promise you there is bliss on the other side, but you've got to trust me. If you do that, you will actually feel it change. And that's what I want is for people to reach in and feel the magnificence of what it truly feels like to partner up with an animal and to feel like one with that horse. That's my goal always. See, I believe that, that you had that very conversation with your cult um, this year at Road to the Horse. Um, <laughs> I, 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 could, I could see it. That, that is in your heart, it's in your eyes, it's in everything about you. And if you would, you know, give us, give us a backstage pass. Uh, into road to the horse what's it like to be a competitor there what's the event like and and give us your impressions of that i am so happy to talk about this okay i have loved and have wanted to be involved within road to the horse and for a decade i think i had always wanted to be in that round pen and just it never worked out for whatever reason that is and you know this as well as i do everything is about divine timing and it was meant to be that I got the invitation when I did. And, and I was at a point in my life where I was like, this is perfect. This is what I want to do. I am a cult starter. I've been starting cults since I was eight years old. I, nothing makes me happier than starting horses. Like it is my, it is my bread and butter. It's the love of my life. I love cults. I just, there's something about it. And when I was given the opportunity to do it, I had, I really looked, I did an inventory of where I was mentally, physically. And I started saying, Wileen, you, you got to get in shape for this because, and listen, I'm physical. Everybody who knows me knows I'm, I'm one of the hardest workers you will ever meet, but it was more the mental game that was even the physical. And I wanted to be prepared for that. And so the crew and the committee and the staff of Road to the Horse were incredible. They were welcoming and warm and so wonderful. And going into the competition, uh, I was wide open for just as things show up. But before I left to go to Road to the Horse, I made myself a very important promise. I looked myself in the mirror and I said, Wileen, you have to go there and be authentically who you truly are. 
You're not there to be someone else. You are not better than anyone, but you are different. Let your light shine when you're there. And that was my intention and my goal going into this competition. And so when we got there, as things unwound and as, as horses were selected and I had known I wanted to get the one specific horse that I did. And here's a little insight, little cowgirl confession for all of those people who know me and those of you who don't know me. I've always used people who are very gifted. And I have a friend who is an animal communicator. Now, regardless if you believe in that or not, I didn't used to either, but I have a friend who I've used for years and we sat down and we had a conversation about each individual horse. And there was a reason I picked that number four horse, that big time battle colt. And it's because I knew he was gonna do well in the regard to the obstacles because he's race bred. And my theory behind this was if I, if I get one that's cow bred, a cow horse has been taught to step back and like get down and get low and watch the cow. So I didn't think that they would have the fortitude to wanna to push through obstacles. So that is why I chose number four. Uh, Cause I've had a lot of people argue with me about the breeding and this and that. And I said, look, I'm not in a cutting show. I'm in an obstacle challenge on a colt. So I need something that's going to move. I knew he was going to be a challenge. I wanted that challenge. And I thought who better to be an example of if things go wrong, this is the girl you want to watch. So uh, as the, as it went on, you know, he really surprised me. And I, my goal walking into that round pin with him each day was to be 100% there with him and not allow any other outside influences to affect me. My sister, who was my pen wrangler and I had, sat down and gone through the markup of what we wanted to do at Road to the Horse and what our plan was each day, what I wanted to check mark off of my list. And I wanted to streamline that and I wanted it to look easy and I wanted it to look like it was the horse's idea. And those first two rounds that I had, I just like slid right through it. It was no big thing. I mean, it was beautiful and the horse was great. And as those who watched the show knew I won the first round and then I won the second round. And that third day when I went into the competition, my intention when I walked into that arena was to kill it in the obstacle course and to stand on the number 10 obstacle. And for those who did watch the show, the third round was not very kind to me. And everything that could have gone wrong did, including a mysterious rope missing that was there that morning. I had done an inspection with the judges that morning. All of my equipment was there with my saddle and they sequester the competitors away from the other competitors during the finals so that we can't see what they're doing. So I was taken away, myself and my sister. Two and a half hours later, they tapped me on the shoulder, mic'd me up, and I went running down the alleyway. I saw my equipment was there. I said, on your market, set, go, walked in and started my time in the round pin. And I had a very difficult time getting this colt to not only look at me, but just to stop his feet and to connect. And right then I knew this was not the same horse or the same situation that I thought it was the day, the two days previous to that. And I, and at that time I thought, you know, don't lose your calm and collected, like, don't lose your cool, Wileen. This is, goes to show you he's young and there's a lot going on. And he was very buddied up to the other horses that had just dropped him off and walked down the alleyway. So 
getting his mind back to me that day was like not going to happen. And he was pretty fractious already. So long story short, I went to go get my rope to rope this horse so I could catch him because I couldn't even get him to look at me. And I couldn't, I couldn't catch him because I didn't have my rope. And I have to tell you, I have to share this with those who are listening. When I walked over to the round pin fence and I looked down and I saw that my rope wasn't there, I knew I had just lost the competition. I just felt it. I just said, it's not my weekend. It's not my day. This is going to be a shining example of how to not lose your character excellence in the biggest competition of your life and how to shine when you're being thrown down in the mud, right? So, so I just took that on. And, and those who watch the show, um, I think it's fair to say that when you can't catch a horse and 5,000 people are gasping and hoping you will, it just adds to the energy of what went into that. And so long story short, I didn't catch him in the time frame that was allotted me. So I was penalized very heavily for number one, stepping out and actually getting a rope so I could access to catch him. And then, then the other part was I ran out of time. So then when I finally did catch him, I got on him. He was fresh. I didn't really get a warm up on him. And I thought I can do this. I just kept saying to myself, Wileen, you can do this girl. This is you. This is your life. You never quit. You never give up. You just keep smiling. You just keep riding. Do you. It's okay. Be an example. And that was my mantra going into this whole thing. I kept saying to myself, everything's going to work out. It's okay. So I leave the round pin, get him going. As I then start my rail work, which is required of walk, trot, canter to the right and left. This is all things you declare. And then I had to stop back, get on and off, pick up all four feet and then lead him 40 feet. So in the middle of all that, when I went to work on my right side, I'd already been riding him out there. What a lot of people do not know is as I came around the corner and I was cantering, there was a gentleman who was working at the facility that was changing a trash can liner. So that noise of the plastic is what set Clay off, that horse that I was riding. That was when he turned and triggered and bucked and took off bucking with me and bucked all the way down the arena. And when he did that, I had one stirrup. <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't prepared. When he spooked and grabbed ass and got scared and ran off, then he went into bucking. I knew I was in trouble, but I thought, well, I'll just keep riding him. So I rode him all the way till he got kind of towards the gate. And then he stopped and I just fell off the dash. I like fell forward towards the dash. I fell off. I still was holding my rein. And interestingly enough, even after not catching him and having him buck me off in the middle of national television and worldwide coverage, I just kept smiling. And I was like, well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen, the truth. It goes to show you even the best who do this all the time they get bucked off too. No one's perfect. We're all working through our own things. So I just get back up on him and I quickly go back through finishing up my rail work. When I looked up at the clock and I saw that there was seven minutes and 49 seconds left to go through 10 obstacles, I don't know how to tell you this, but I just felt something deep down in the soul of my body. I was like, I can do this. And I just looked up and I said, I'm declaring I'm starting my obstacles. That horse never stopped moving his feet. He smoked through the obstacles like no other horse has. And I walked over to that number 10 obstacle and he put his feet up on it and he stood there 
I took my hat off. I just put my hand over my heart and I said, I wouldn't have changed one thing. And I'm at peace of where I was and what I did with this cult because he was very tough. He was very fractious. And I was grateful for all of that happening. And as you know, I didn't walk away winning the championship, but I walked away feeling like a winner. And I walked away feeling like an example of how to not lose the beauty and what it was, even though I didn't win the championship. So it was an amazing experience and it changed my life forever. And I am so grateful that I had that chance to be there and to do it again, you know, to, to go and to have that opportunity. Well, for what it's worth, Wileen, we, we in the stands got to see what a true winner looked like and, and maybe not the, not the one that takes home the $75,000 check but a winner nonetheless, because so, so few would be able to accomplish the trust and the relationship that you built with Clay. Um, that's, that's what it's about. Um, I, I've talked to a couple other contestants of, of the event and, and they all agree. It's when it, if, at the end of the day, it still boils down to you and that horse and the relationship that you built. Yeah. And that is true. And you know what? My other goal was to never take my eyes away from my round pin to only focus on that individual horse. And I was very, very focused when I was there. And when I walked into that round pin, it was like everything around me turned black. I couldn't hear people. I couldn't see anything. I just literally focused and And that's what makes me a really fierce competitor is I'm really good at being iron. Like I can just, I just have the ability to focus on what I want. And then I just go do it and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And I think when I stepped away from road to the horse, the overmounting love and support that I felt with people just heartbroken and like, so in love with what I did, or they couldn't believe that I didn't win it. Um, I knew I had made an impact and I knew that I could change someone's life simply by being who I was. And I thought if I saved one person's life by showing them the grab around the next stop, or if I taught someone how to work through something that's hard or difficult in their life and they never quit, then I was being the example that I wanted to set out to be. So I felt as though I was asking for it to change people's lives, but it was really in turn changing my life that weekend. And I knew that that was happening. There were a lot of things in my life that needed to shift and change. And at that time, everything fell apart that weekend, all of it, so that it could all now beautifully come back together. And I recalibrated, reconnected, um, took a deep, hard look at within my own life, my own personal life, within my business. And I made a lot of massive goals and I just decided I was, this was a, a journey and a wake up call and an ability to say, who am I truly as Wileen, who am I? And how can I help the world of horses and people and people on their own journeys and working through their own trauma. And so I just welcomed it. And I've never felt more peace or gratitude towards that opportunity to be there. So share with us a little bit, what, what are the goals that, that you've set for your, for your, for your future? What's, what's next for Extreme Wileen? So I have a lot of fun things kind of coming down the road. I, I really want to, I've already, I already do clinics and I love clinics more than anything, um, but I'm noticing a reoccurring theme everywhere I go. And that is that horses are in our lives because all of us need therapy. <laughs> we all have a, a reason to have an outlet. 
whether it's the stress of work or life or school or family or whatever, we all need an outlet. And so when I stepped into, you know, the clinic space, I love the clinic space. But what I recognize within each writer is we're all struggling with our own insecurities, our own fear, um, things that have happened to us in our lives. And so now what I'm wanting to do is to do more workshops for people and boot camps for people and also retreat space for people to come to spend time with me where not only do we dive into the physical, but we also dive into the spiritual, the mental, emotional side of what life is and what horses bring to us. And if I can offer up any kind of hope or happiness or healing to anybody, that is my focus. And I think I had to go through a lot of really difficult things in my life to be an example that guess what, no matter how much life knocks you down, dust your jeans off, girl, grab your boots, pull them on, get your lid on and like, go get on your horse, go find happiness there. And so I was preaching to myself when I was going through all these things. And I started to say, I want to create a space where people can come and ride or learn or work through whatever they're working through. And I want to create that space of non-judgment and nothing but love and support. So that's kind of my focus for 2022. Uh, I'm also going to start, I'm going to probably start my own podcast. I have a name for it and some ideas of what I want to do with that because I want people to know who I really am, not as just a horseman, but just as a person and as a woman and as a mother and as an entrepreneur. And I want to show everybody out there that it's possible. Even if you start later in life, it's okay. Release all of the excuses and all that fear that you have and step in and go hit a home run, girlfriend, do it. And so that's kind of my goal is, is to be a beacon of light for other individuals. And I want them to come ride with me because I want you walking away from your experience with me saying, I spent time with Wileen and my life was never the same. I've never laughed or cried so much or had more fun or learned more about myself or stepped out of the comfort zone of all the things that I was placing myself in this box of fear. I, I just shattered that box and I stepped into what I truly want. And so, yeah, I have some vision for that. And um, I just want to build a community of people who love and support each other within the equine world. And whatever I can do to make that happen is my goal. Well, Wylena, it's just it's just been a thrill ride for me to to visit with you today. Um, you, you're such such a wonderful woman and such a great example. Um, we appreciate you taking the time and and we look forward to great things next year. How how do how do the listeners get in touch with you so they can learn more and, and set something up with you? Yeah, absolutely. So any social media handle that's out there from Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, it's out there. You can look me up through extremewileen.com. You can also email email. me at extremewileen.com or I'm sorry, extremewileen at gmail.com. And, you know, there's going to be opportunities and I'm going to be releasing some new information that's coming out in 2022. That'll be in January. And there's some exciting things coming down coming down the road. And I am, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm always grateful for the opportunity to, to share my ability and gifts, because here's the truth. I want to help you rise up in your horsemanship. I want you to elevate and I want you to walk away feeling encouraged and supported and uplifted and being educated, but also entertained. So 
come spend some time with me. I think you'd really enjoy it. And, uh, and I just welcome it. And I, I want to do amazing, beautiful things with horses and, and riders. So that's what I'm seeking out and looking forward to any other opportunities that come down the road. So I'm just really looking forward to that. So thank you for this opportunity and for the ability to share my story. And if it changes one person's life or gives somebody hope or allows them to realize that, yeah, life gets tough sometimes, but you can never quit. Quit. You have to just smile through the tears and get back on your horse. And that's my message. Thank you so much, Wileen. Um, gosh, it has been so cool to visit with you. It's like, <laughs> Uh, I can't believe that God lets me do this. Um, That's how I feel. I feel so blessed and so fortunate. And I think the more you try to shine and the more you put it out there, the more you attract those individuals who are seeking out like truly um, harmony and healing. And I know I'm working through all of my own personal things within my own life. And I want to, I want to talk about that and be transparent. I think that's why I really want to start um, my own podcast, just to be, just to have an inside look within who I am as a person too. And, oh, and you so, have so much to say, Wileen, you have so, thank you. you have so, so very much important stuff to say. And, you know, then there's, there's room for everyone to do this. I mean, it's one of the cool things about the medium is that, you know, I, I don't have to feel like I'm competing with anyone else because I'm the best me in the world. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm, the world champion Joe Jones, and I don't have to compete because honestly, you can't serve everyone. I can't serve everyone. Chris Cox can't serve everyone. That's absolutely. Um, there right. is a place for all of us to shine. And, I you know, that's, I love that's that. Where... I have an I have a theory about letting and allowing the rising to rise. My goal is to make you better than I am, and I do that with my own children. I do that with my best friends, people that I that I cross paths with. I say, if you're hungry and you'll listen and you put the work in, you will exceed where I've been because I have even more tools than I did when I was young. So, and horsemanship is always evolving and there's all these beautiful, amazing new horses stepping into the game because we're the way we're breeding animals now, it's their, their own breeds um, specifically Uh, through the different disciplines. And so I love it that you're saying that because it really is true that I want to help you be all you can be. And it's my goal to give you the tools to do that so that you can move forward within your own life. And if you want to go take that and you want to go be a trainer, great. If you just want a recreational ride, great. I love that. If you are at that point where you're like, you know, I really want to push myself and I want to do cult starting, I can help you. Um, And I just, I really don't feel as though I'm better than anyone else. I just know that I have something to offer. And if someone's willing to listen, I think they'll walk away enlightened, uplifted, encouraged, entertained, uh, educated. And I try to come from a total space of love. I try not to judge any situation. I just try to be very honest and humble and hardworking when I deal with students and, and friends and riders and horses Horses. and, uh, and listen, no one's perfect. We all make mistakes. Um, gosh, yeah. And that's why I just openly admit it and go, look, I've screwed up a lot. And, And I'm still figuring out my own life, my own path, my own horsemanship journey. And I continually want to learn and I continually want to educate and push my personal self out of my own comfort zone. So, you know what? I'm right in the same boat as everyone else who's listening. So we're all in this together. So I am just looking forward to it. And I just welcome all the happiness and joy that's on its way. So thank you for this opportunity. 
Well, Wileen, Merry Christmas. And Merry I, hope Christmas. To, I hope to see you soon. I, I, yeah, it's been likewise, an honor. Absolutely likewise. been an honor. And you my will, wife, I promise. You will. My wife wants to wants me to make sure that I tell you that, that she said hello and gives you all her love. She, she's okay, well, you she's, your, she's her hugest fan. She she absolutely loves you. Uh, Thank it's, you. it's so cool. Thanks, Wileen. Thank Have a wonderful day. No, this rest was wonderful. Day. Yeah, we we definitely need to get together. Let's ride for sure. I'd love it. I'd love it. Okay. All right. Let's get settled then. Let's do it. Thank you so much for joining me on Horse Sense 101, a podcast dedicated to helping you have that meaningful relationship with your horse you always wanted to have. Please tell your horsey friends about us and invite them to join us on our Facebook group, Horse Sense 101, and every Monday for our podcast available at 6 a.m. Mountain Time. I'd like to thank you, my listeners, members, and very special thanks to Extreme Wileen Wilson. You are an amazing lady, as well as my wife and friends that make all this possible. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Mustang still runs free. Eagle soars above the pinion pines. And we know these horses stand for something that is precious and more rare than all the silver and so let them run, let them run, let them wild ponies run, don't you brand them, don't you break them, don't you let the killers take a single one, let them run.